Welcome to Copyright Clearance in this podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, December 7th, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, who joins me today from the magazine's editorial offices in New York City. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So we are in the final few weeks of 2018, and in December, the stream of news often slows to a trickle. But this week, we saw a blockbuster of a story break. It appears Ingram is or was considering a bid to buy Baker and Taylor. Yeah, indeed. You know, in fact, it is pretty quiet on the news front already, by and large. Uh, at least it was until um, uh, my friend John Mutter at Shelf Awareness reported this week that investigators from the FTC, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, were talking to booksellers about what the book distribution market might look like if Ingram were to purchase Baker and Taylor. Uh, and indeed, my colleagues here at Publishers Weekly were able to track that story down a little and move the ball a little further down the field this week. Okay, so you've raised my curiosity, and you're saying it's true that these two giants in the publishing services sector could end up merging. Any sense of how the industry would look at that? Yeah, you know, according to our sources, the Ingram Content Group did, or they have at least at one point made what you might call a tentative offer to buy the retail wholesaling operation of Baker and Taylor. And that's an important distinction. You know, our listeners will probably know Baker and Taylor as the primary supplier to public libraries in the United States. But the business we're talking about with the Ingram deal is Baker and Taylor's retail wholesale arm. And, you know, in that light, the deal suddenly makes a lot more sense and maybe related or maybe not related. One director of a major library system reached out to me on Tuesday to tell me that the C CEO of Follett, which is Baker and Taylor's parent company. They bought Baker and Taylor in 2016. Uh, the CEO of Follett paid a visit to reiterate the company's commitment to the public library market. And perhaps that was in anticipation that the news of the sale to Ingram would leak out at some point, the potential sale of Baker and Taylor to Ingram would leak out at some point. And while the Federal Trade Commission has not responded to my repeated inquiries. We've also been able to confirm that, yes, indeed, the FTC did launch what our sources tell us is a, uh, quote, very preliminary investigation of the proposed deal. Now, if you were wondering why the FTC is involved at such an early stage, you're not alone. But the FTC does have what they call a pre-merger notification process by which companies can submit their proposed deals in a non-public process uh, to get the FTC's initial take on whether the deal is okay or not okay, competitive, anti-competitive, runs afoul of antitrust laws, any number of things. But while that program can be helpful, uh, it's hardly definitive. You know, as, as you well know, mergers and acquisitions garner significant public scrutiny once they are announced. And public comments, that often affects the will of the parties, and of politicians to, you know, weigh in one way or another on a potential deal. And while I gather FTC investigators are now getting an earful or have gotten an earful from booksellers, uh, I imagine that there would be an outcry even louder uh, if this deal was announced. Well, all right, then. So you think booksellers won't be happy about any such deal. Do you think the deal would win regulatory approval in any case? Yeah, you know, I think ours is an industry that's pretty much been known for consolidation. So I think no one would be surprised if this deal happened. Uh, as our listeners will recall, in 2014, Ingram acquired Perseus's distribution business, and that added, I think, 
400 more publishers and made Ingram's distribution business the largest in the country by a pretty substantial margin, you know, outside of Amazon, of course. Uh, and at the time, you know, reaction to that deal among many smaller publishers who got in touch with PW was one of concern that in such a huge organization, uh, that they'd be less of a priority for Ingram. And as ABA director Oren Teicher commented, these kinds of deals tend to make the market less competitive, not more competitive. Now, will the FTC weigh in and spike the deal over competition concerns? I don't think there's a chance that that happens. Uh, but if you haven't read Tim Wu's short but amazing new book, it's called The Curse of Bigness. I highly recommend it. You know, Wu, who once worked for the FTC, uh, in the book points out that we just don't do antitrust actions anymore. We have very, very few of these, though he argues pretty persuasively in the book that we should. Back to, to my point here, um, you know, Ingram adding Baker and Taylor's retail business, you know, it makes sense for Ingram and for Follett, which I can see understandably might want to focus more on their strengths, which which is the education and library markets, markets that have a natural synergy, and I should point out, have much higher margins. But the bottom line is that, you know, we have, what, five dominant publishers uh, who are also distributors. We have Amazon, we have Barnes & Noble. I mean, that's a lot of consolidation already in the industry. So I just can't see how the FTC would ever pick this deal as a bridge too far, as this deal as the one to block. So if the parties want to make this happen, I think it happens. Now, uh, whether they want to make this happen, I'm not exactly sure. Both parties declined, and when asked by PW to comment, uh, they gave sort of vague, you know, non-denial denials about whether this was really happening. Uh, but you know, but the story's out there now, and we'll have much more on this in Monday's issue of PW, uh, and I'm sure we'll have much more to come in the coming weeks as well. When copyright clearance centers beyond the book returns, Andrew Albanese sees signs of spring in December. I'm Christopher Keneally with copyright clearance centers beyond the book. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly and host of the new PW podcast, Publishers Weekly Insider. Each week, we'll talk to PW editors, authors, and other industry guests about the biggest and most exciting stories and books in the world of publishing. New episodes of PW Insider premiere every Friday. So listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwinsider or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to PW Insider on iTunes. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book. It's Friday, December 7th, 2018, and Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly joins me today as he does each week. Monday's issue, Andrew, is one of PW's biggest of the year because while it's getting chilly here in the Northeast, it's time for spring announcements. Yes, once again, PW editors have called down thousands of forthcoming titles this spring to come up with, you know, 50-ish titles in 20-something categories, as well as calling out their top 10 lists in each category. And if you're, so, if you're looking for some great books to look forward to this spring, uh, you can pick up Monday's issues. There's, there's going to be a, a host of titles that will be featured running from January to July of next year. Well, we'll ask you what you like, then share a pick or two. Anything coming this spring that uh, you're anticipating and we should too? Sure. So there are a few that I've noted for personal reasons. Uh, our listeners and who are fans of literary fiction can look forward to Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Uh, it's the new novel from Marlon James, his first since winning the Booker Prize for A Brief History of Seven Killings. And that's coming out from Riverhead in February. Uh, in April, Ian McEwen fans can rejoice. Uh, the author's latest is called Machines Like Me. It's out from Doubleday Talese. And it sounds amazing. It's set in an 
alternate 1980s London where a love triangle forms among a couple and one of the first synthetic humans. Now, aside from the moral dilemmas that, you know, having a, a romance with a synthetic human might present, I'm just looking forward to reading McEwen's vision of a, a 1980s London synthetic human. <laughs> That's got to be interesting. Uh, I should also note, too, that at the far end of the spring season, July 30th, Colson Whitehead, who won the Pulitzer in 2017 for the Underground Railroad, uh, will publish his new book. That's called Nickel Boys, and it's set in the Jim Crow era of Florida. Now, I'm a fan of good memoirs, and there are two this year that I'm really kind of looking forward to. The first is from Melinda Gates, and the reason I'm looking forward to that is because she's the keynote speaker at ALA Midwinter uh, in January of this year. Uh, her book is called The Moment of Lift, How Empowering Women Changes the World. Very timely subject that's coming out from Flatiron in April. Uh, and, and it Gates argues that successful societies are those that empower women and make sure that they have the same opportunities as men. So again, very timely. And I'm also looking forward to Sea Stories, My Life in Special Operations from William McRaven. Uh, that's out in May from Grand Central. Uh, and it's said to include stories of his Navy SEAL accomplishments, including the mission that ended Osama bin Laden. And of course, McRaven has been in the news a bit lately as a critic of President Trump. So there's that too. All right. For years, Andrew, you would pitch in and make the picks for PW for the books on politics. You've passed that assignment along to a new reviews editor. Nevertheless, listeners can probably assume you still watch for announcements and check the packages as they arrive at the office. Politics has been huge for publishers, of course, in 2018. Are you expecting that to continue in 2019? Yeah, you know, my best guess is that the politics trend is going to continue for some time. I know a lot of people believe that it is just a trend, uh, but given the chaos of the current administration and what's bound to come out after Bob Mueller drops his new album uh, <laughs> sometime in the coming months, I assume, uh, unwinding the Trump administration and this era that we're now living through, I think we're going to be reading books about that for some time. Uh, as for what we're going to be seeing in the spring, in the top 10, you know, for the spring announcements this year, I see a lot of familiar political subjects, uh, gun violence, for example, the Me Too movement, and there's the, the usual left versus right uh, books. But you know, there's no big names on this list. There's no James Comey's or Bob Woodward's or Michael Cohen's or Flynn's or Manafort's yet either. And I say yet because people will remember that the Michael Wolff book was not announced either. That was sort of a last minute edition, sort of a surprise title in January of this year. And there are probably a number of other surprise titles that are in the hopper that we just don't know about and that are not being announced. So I expect to see a few big surprise politics books coming in 2019. But that said, there are a couple of titles on the top 10 list here that I am looking forward to. One is going to be hard to read, but I'd like to read it anyway. It's Dave Collins. He's got a book coming out in February from Harper on the Parkland shooting. And listeners will remember that Cullen, of course, was the author of Columbine. And I'm pretty sure that this was a book that he was hoping he'd never have to write again. And I know it's a book that I was hoping I wouldn't have to read, but here we are. Other than that, no huge names on the list. Again, I, I would imagine that politics are probably going to boost publishers' bottom lines in 2019 and probably for a few more years to come. And, you know, I fully do expect that one day on this podcast with an announcements issue, we're going to be talking uh, about a book by Robert Mueller on one of these lists. So stay tuned. <laughs> Until then, though, we will just have to settle for reading the latest indictments coming from the special counsel's office. Andrew Albany's Publishers Weekly senior writer, thanks for joining me on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. 
Up next on Beyond the Book, with thousands of publishers working in dozens of languages, India is the seventh largest book publishing nation on earth. The English language book market alone is the world's second largest after the U.S. At Taylor & Francis India, Natasha Devasa is Managing Director of India and South Asia. In September at the Delhi Book Fair, Publishers on Publishing, which she edited, received first prize at the Excellence in Book Production Awards. She tells me why she embarked on her project. Well, actually, one of the reasons for doing uh, the book was the fact that there's so little available on Indian publishing. And one of the reasons why there is so little available on Indian publishing is because Indian publishers can rarely, rarely agree on any, any issue. So it started off on an impulse in a sense, but also out of a sense of frustration for the fact that we didn't have anything uh, where, which people could refer to while we were such a, a significant industry. And perhaps the fact that the voice of publishers wasn't heard was one of the reasons why our significance and importance wasn't appreciated. Getting to know Indian publishing. Next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center. Our co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. Subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The complete Beyond the Book podcast archive is available at beyondthebook.com. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon on CCC's Beyond the Book. 